The Prep Sports Weekly Podcast is your official podcast and home for exclusive interviews and conversations with administrators, coaches, student-athletes, and more of the St. Joe's Prep Athletic Department. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Prep Sports Weekly Podcast, your official podcast for St. Joe's Prep Athletics. I'm your host, John Liuzzi, alongside my co-host, Anthony Volucci. Coach, we've, we have another filler show here as we continue to look and wait for more information to come out about the fall sports season this year. But we are debuting, well, we're having our second episode of our alumni series. And today is a really great story with Cleveland Browns pro scout, Sam DeLuca. He is the nephew of the legendary prep security guard, Ralph Dorita. But back for our fourth episode right now, we have a great one today. Yeah, I mean, I think first we got to probably, you know, send a shout out to Ralph and, <laughs> and thank him for the connection here. Um, but what a great get uh, by you to have uh, Sam DeLuca on, you know, pro scout for the uh, Cleveland Browns, kind of tell us his story, you know, what the prep meant to him and um, just kind of give us the, the, the perspective of what an NFL scout looks at in terms of players are looking to bring on to the team. Yeah, it's really interesting when I was actually at the prep last week, I was talking to uh, Ralph and he was like, this would be a really good story. And I think it was. And as we get into our spotlight segment in a few moments from now, there was a lot to take away from this interview. And obviously we're going to talk about that in our discussion part, but it's really interesting to me to hear from a scout perspective because these are jobs that are behind the scenes of what we see on Sundays in the NFL of teams being put together in hopes of winning a Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, I, I just speaking on the, at the high school level, um, you know, you were given a glimpse of that uh, kind of the behind the scenes look of what the baseball program went through your senior year. Um, so I, I, I know the amount of work that, high school coaches put into this, I can only imagine the, um, the work that uh, the college and pro coaches and scouts put into, you know, making sure they get the, the best players for their teams, to, you know, to help them have success on, on the field, but, you know, um, holding up their brand off the field. Yeah, for sure. And now we change our direction into our spotlight segment. And here is our pre-recorded interview with Sam DeLuca, former St. Joe's prep, lacrosse player class of the 2009 and ASU grad and now a pro scout with the Cleveland Browns organization in the NFL. We are now joined by former prep lacrosse player, prep alum of the class of 2009, and now a pro scout in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns organization, Sam DeLuca. Sam, thanks for taking the time today. How are you doing? Good, John. Appreciate you having me. To start off here, what does the prep mean to you now looking back at your time? Because you graduated in 2009. It means everything to me. Um, funny you mentioned that we just had our you know, scout school meetings, kind of start off training camp, kind of everyone together virtually this year, uh, obviously. And we kind of went through our whys of why we love what we do, why we love football. And for me, you know, I also love the game and camaraderie, but the one pillar that came back to me was, you know, when I was a prep, it was, you know, men for and others, and then it grew to men for and with. Now I think it's women and men for and with others. And to me, obviously, you know, in a Jesuit world, that means, you know, helping, you know, less fortunate. But in the football world, I think it means the same thing. It's people from all different backgrounds, you know, breeds of life coming together for one goal, and that's winning the Super Bowl. 
Uh, to me, football is the ultimate team game where you really need everybody, players, coaching staff, front office, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, trainers, everyone's working together. If you have one weak link, it can really you know, derail an entire season. Um, so to me, that, that one pillar of general education you know, the women and men form with others has really kind of carried me and, and still you know, is a, drives me uh, in my football career right now. Looking back at your time at 17th and Gerard, what is that one memory that comes to your mind right now and saying, this is my favorite memory from my four years at Mother Prep? So it's probably, I mean, it was more of a, a funny or you know, humorous moment, but it was our, our last, I think it was our last day of either in class, like, um, you know, in-person in classes before exams. And we kind of did our senior prank of, we all cut our, um, our pants into shorts and we all I think the entire senior class we had jug they held it in the Jesu church they just didn't have you know anywhere to hold us and to me that was just a good way of just ending the you know the four years there you know everyone I think almost everybody in the senior class did it I mean there might have been a handful that, that didn't participate but I think the pictures of it because I think that same day there was a talent show so you know the entire senior class in the front row always, you know, our pants cut into shorts, some which shorter than others, but to me, that was just like a great example of everyone coming together and, and having a good time. Teachers, you know, were okay with it, you know. The dean, I think, I'm blanking on who the dean at the time was, you know, Mr. Coffee, Mr. Hagen, but, um, you know, they almost they had to do, give us jug, but um, you can tell they, they didn't really want to do it. But uh, then, and, uh, and then Kairos too, um, you know, to me, um, you know, you really get to know your classmates to a, you know, a different degree than you already do. Um, so to me, those, you know, three or four days up there were, were really special. Yeah, for sure. Kairos is such a special time. I was able to not only go on as a retreat, but also led in my senior year. But at the prep, you really embraced that student-athlete role with the lacrosse program. What was prep lacrosse during your time at the prep? So to me, that was one of the main reasons why I did go to prep. Um, coming from New Jersey, uh, the high school in my town had just really started a lacrosse program. So while I would have been with you know, my friends, it would have been fun to kind of go there, I knew it would have been a lot of losing and hardship. Um, and that's something I just didn't really want to be truly a part of for, for high school. Um, so obviously outside of the academic you know, rigor of, of prep, you know, to me the lacrosse program was one thing that really did drive me to want to go there. and. Um, to me, it, it was it was tough. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of good talent there. Uh, coach Keating, who's now back there, was was the head coach. He was actually in his first year, my freshman season, um, and he he demanded a lot out of us. You know, both from you know, JV team all the way to varsity. Um, but it was a really good group of guys. A lot of guys that I still keep in contact with. Um, but but the lacrosse program, I don't think it's gotten to the point where football is right now. And, you know, it still always comes down to us or LaSalle usually for the Catholic Championship still. But um, but it, it is a, a very good program, and I'm glad Coach Keating is back. I do think he has the ability to uh, to take the program to the next level and compete with, with football as, as, you know, in the spring sport. A lot of athletes, either at the high school level or at the collegiate level, say their favorite memory during their time playing the sport that they play is senior day just because of, everything coming together and you're getting honored for that. Is that similar to you as your favorite memory from Prep Cross? Or is there like the one game that stands out that, that is talked about still a lot? 
Um, so actually, I, I actually didn't play senior year. Um, so I, I just did the three years. Um, you know, kind of wanted to focus more on side on colleges, make, you know, having that time to visit colleges. I really didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, so I, I just did the first three years. And then, but for those first three years, I mean, again, it's not a probably great memory, but there was a, we had a huge brawl in, uh, it was against, well, we had two actually, my freshman year, one against Malvern and one against Cardinal O'Hara. Uh, the O'Hara one was good. We were, you know, we'd won that game pretty handily. We were in like the handshake line afterwards. And one guy just jumped one, one of our players at the end of the line and, um, you know, to, to me, that, that's the one off the top of my head that comes to my mind of like, again, we were all, we were all freshmen at the time. It was JV, um, still getting to know everybody, but we all, you know, kind of saw our team again, jumped and kind of helped them out and, uh, and got the win too. So that's, that's always nice. Some of our listeners might already know this, but for those who don't, your dad is and has been involved with numerous Philly professional sports teams. Were you influenced or inspired in any way to get involved in sports because of that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, always, I think every kid has a dream of being a professional athlete early on in their lives for the most part. I had that as well. Uh, for me, it was more ice hockey. That was a love that I did have early on. And, um, but once, you know, I'm five, eight, you know, 150 pounds soaking wet. So I kind of realized I wasn't going to have physical traits to uh to become a professional athlete so um but yeah i started going to training camp with my dad for the eagles when i was seven eight years old and to me there was nothing like being in the locker room or training room whether it be for the flyers as well too but to me it was the, it was the camaraderie of the football building i loved going up to lehigh every summer for training camp um when my dad would go to the training room during the season if i was able to go um you know, if I didn't have school or any other activities, I'd be there in a second. And I just love just sitting in the training room. I wouldn't say a thing. I would just mind my manners, but just take it all in. You know, the players would come up to me, whether it was you know, Hugh Douglas, um, Hollis Thomas. I mean, the list goes on of all the great players that I have stories from during those times. But um, absolutely, just being around training camp and being around football um, and also the winning during those times was – instrumental in me wanting to be involved in professional sports. You went to ASU for college, but what was your journey to becoming a pro scout now? I do, I know just looking at your LinkedIn and preparing for this, you did some internships with the Eagles and other teams, but what what is that journey, uh, if you could talk about that? So, like I said, I mean, once I realized I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, I, just, I always loved the off-season of football. Um, to me, at, and at that time, free agency always started at midnight of, you know, one of the days in March. And I would always love or anticipate getting the calls, from the call from, you know, from the trainer to my dad of, hey, we're bringing in so-and-so tomorrow morning, need you know, in, you know here for a physical. I used to just love waiting for that call. Like, usually about 10, 1030, the night before, the trainer would call my dad and be like, hey, you know, uh, Javon Curse coming in tomorrow. Sante Samuel being tomorrow. Um, and then the draft process, absolutely loved it. Loved it. Once NFL Network started showing the combine, that was must-watch TV for me. Doing mock drafts, you know, I think my mom still has all my notebooks from when I was younger of all the mock drafts that I would do. Uh, and then as I got older, uh, into high school, 
started ball bowling for the Eagles. So I was up, up at training camp up in Lehigh every summer, being around the coaching staff. And I was, you know, Coach Reed's staff, and they were always great to me. Um, I'd ask some questions around practice field. Just, again, I didn't play football, so I, I was a little bit behind in terms of terminology and, you know, things to look for. But, again, being around those great coaches and the great players helped me start to kind of get an eye for what talent looks like, what a great starter looks like, what an average starter looks like, what a backup player looks like, what a training camp body looks like. Um, and then in college, again, I knew I wanted to be a scout or be in the front office, you know, dream job, obviously being general manager, but I knew the process I had to get there to do that. Um, so then in college, I interned with scouting staff at the training camp. The first time was after lockout, actually. So there really wasn't a ton of scouting done. There's more airport rides, you know, Lehigh to Philly for all the workouts that were being done. But in the following year, going into my senior year of college, I interned again, and that was where I really learned how to write reports, um, speak up in meetings. Um, you know, I had a position group that I had to watch during camp, um, and we'd have meetings once a week, uh, at least with us included, the interns, uh, where we could you know share our piece and, and give our feedback on those guys. Um, and then once my senior year at ASU, I kind of had reached out to everybody that I knew or I had known really throughout the Eagles. So at that point, Coach Reed had just gotten on with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I sent him a letter. Um, I sent their GM, John Dorsey, a letter. Uh, Joe Banner had just left Philly to go to Cleveland. So I you know, reached out to him. Uh, I had um, a mutual connection with the GM for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mark Dominic. Uh, so I reached out to him. I think those might have been the, the three spots. Um, you know, Andy, I, I never – I don't think the letter ever really got to him because I got just got a kind of generic letter back saying, you know, saying we're not taking any coaching hires right now. So clearly he didn't get to it. And I, I didn't want to reach out to him via phone or anything like that. But um, luckily I did hear back from, from, from the Browns. It was probably right around mid-June. So I already graduated, still waiting to hear on some things. And um, I got a call from the GM, Mike Lombardi, who actually is a, a Jersey guy. Um, you know, I'd been with the Eagles before my dad was there in the, in the 90s. Uh, had been the GM of the Raiders with Al Davis. I uh, was with the Browns back in the early 90s with Belichick. So he was the GM. He gave me a call and said, hey, you know, we'd love to fly out here for an interview. Came out that, uh, the next day, uh, interviewed. They had me watch three guys, write reports on those three guys, give my feedback. By the end of the day, they offered me a uh, internship and flying back to Philly with a uh, job offer and took the weekend to think about it, accepted it. And actually the day after I accepted it, Tampa Bay had called, offered me a spot down there, but um, I wasn't going to renege on, on my, uh, my commitment to Cleveland. And uh, seven years later, going, going on now, my eighth season, still, uh, still here. Yeah, that's really cool just to see how all the hard work and all the time behind the scenes and working the connections and the networking uh, has finally got you into your position right now. As, as a prospective sports broadcaster that I want to be, I think that's really important to hear from somebody that's in the industry right now. Absolutely. And, and that, unfortunately, is really the, the main way to at least get your foot in the door to be in an NFL front office. It's, it's really is knowing somebody there. Um, you know, that's, not, that's not saying that any prep alum can just give me a call who has no football experience and expecting me to go to bat for them. Uh, and there are things where, you know, if you don't have 
the connections that I was you know, fortunate to have to do. You know, if you're, you know, you play in high school maybe or get to college, maybe not good enough. You go to a big school or even a little school, you know, help out in the football department, um, whether it's being a you know, football recruiting assistant or and then you can kind of grow from that to, um, you know, maybe a graduate in, you know, assistant as a coach. So there are a lot of things that you can do both in high school and college that help kind of build up your resume to get to the point of, if you do know somebody, reach out to them so they, they can go to bat for you uh, to bring you in for, for an interview. Um, but it, even now for me, I mean, I'm in, you can say it's fortunate or not having so many different regimes and GMs here in Cleveland that I've gotten to know and expand my network just from being in one place. But even for me, it's you know, consistently when you're at the Combine or at Senior Bowl or other you know, pro days, you know, you're constantly you know, trying to meet new people um, you know, around different organizations because you never know um, when that person could be a GM or a vice president of player personnel. And uh, hey, you know, I, I remember this kid um, at this pro day, he, he worked really hard or you know, he was really, um, uh, you know, really putting good effort that day. You know, let me bring him in for an interview for this, for this opening that we have. So networking never stops, uh, even, you know, I'm in a position where I'm comfortable and happy with, but the networking never stops. Um, it's going to keep growing and, and growing the network. Before going into the deep logistics and the full X's and O's, what was it like with the NFL draft being virtual this year? Um, can you speak a little bit of that? Obviously, you can't go into full detail, but what was that like as it was a, the, a first in NFL history? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, we were extremely fortunate. Just, I mean, our, T, our IT guys, our, our tech guys did an outstanding job. Um, really just giving every, everybody what they needed in terms of equipment, internet, all that type of stuff. But um, so first and foremost, I, I tip my cap to, to them because they, they were outstanding for everything um, and then secondly, just having, we do have a younger staff. I mean, our GM, I think is the youngest GM in NFL history at 32. Um, our scouting staff for the most part is all pretty young. So we're all pretty tech savvy, which also, you know, helped us and gave us a little bit of an advantage, maybe over some other teams. Um, but really, it, was, it really just came down to communication, it, first and foremost. I mean, communication between us scouts, communication from us to our GM if you had any questions. Um, you know, I think I think that's what it really came down to, and then um, you know there's no issues draft night. Uh, I know a lot of people expected or thought there would be, considering everything was virtual and first time you know doing it for for a lot of these people. But um, we really we had no issues. Everything was was calm and cool and collected. Um, you know, we had our, our trade talks. We had you know if, if this guy's gone, who's our backup? I mean we 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 were over prepared, which I mean, you need to be regardless, but I think even so with, with this year, we were prepared for anything that came our way. Yeah. It looked seamless watching the draft on ESPN and the Browns this year, obviously have a new head coach and Kevin Stefanski, who is also a prep alum. What is it like working in an organization where you have that connection with somebody and have you had conversations with coach Stefanski about the prep and Philly uh, in the short time that you guys been together? Yeah, so so he was actually interviewed two years ago for a head coaching job, um, and unfortunately, I didn't. He was in the building the one day, and I unfortunately didn't get to see him that day. So I was, I'm glad he's he's back in the building now with us. Uh, but yeah, his actually his first day in the building full time, he uh, sat down with us at breakfast. He sat down next to me, and I said, "So, so you and I, you know, introduce ourselves." I said, "You and I have something in common," and he said, "Oh no, what, what's that?" I said, "We're both crap along." 
And uh, so we kind of started talking about that and, um, you know, who his kind of buddies were uh, at prep and whatnot. And I'm trying to think he, uh, I'm, I'm correct, I think he graduated with Mr. Turner, who was my Latin teacher, my first two years of prep um, at Turner. Um, so, you know, talking about him and all that kind of stuff. And then that later that day, we had our first meeting with him and our scouting staff that worked in-house. Anyone, you know, everyone go around and introduce themselves. I kind of said my piece and he said, what high school did you go to? I said, St. Joe's Prep. He's like, damn right, best high school in the world. So we haven't had anything more than that because then we went to the combine and then we've had you know, the shutdown and everything, so we've been working from home. So I haven't been able to see him in person in a while, but, um, but you can definitely tell he came from I mean, a very good high school, and then just me having the knowledge of what prep does to you and, and what it means to people, you can see how it has affected him in terms of I mean, how organized he is, how on top of everything he is, how, how well he communicates with his coaching staff, the players, and to us scouts in terms of what he's exactly looking for for his scheme. Um, you know, even in, in this, with this whole shutdown, I mean, for a first-year head coach and how, how young he is, you know, there's an easy excuse for if we, if we don't do well this year, but you know, he's handled it greatly with the players at all the virtual meetings. Um, you know, having to adjust on the fly with going from 90 players down to 80 now with training camp because of the, uh, the, the restrictions. So you can, you can see how the prep and what the prep does to prepare you for college and life in general has, you know, it, it's still with him. Um, and I think it's going to benefit him tremendously as we move forward here. Yeah, yeah that's really cool to hear because when we heard the news um, that he got the job, obviously all the news came out saying prep alum, now NFL coach. But hearing that the roots and the, the stuff learned inside the hallways has continued to follow him throughout his career with the Vikings, obviously, and all the other stops he's made. But that's really cool to hear. Obviously – this year there's a possibility that there will be no college football or very minimum college football. Can you speak on the, how hard it couldn't be from a, like a challenge of the scouting perspective of not having enough reps, maybe of following guys throughout the year, because the scouting season is year round. It's out from a certain month to a certain month or a couple of weeks here and there. Yeah. So the biggest, I'm going to say issue or, you know, hoop they'll have to jump through and, and get over will be, you know, college got, I mean, they're 18, 19, you know, 20 years old. You know, they can make significant jumps both in their just body growth and then their play on tape between their junior or senior season or their, you know, registered sophomore, you know, registered junior, whatever it may be. So the guys that won't have that tape it's amazing to see kind of how, where we go with that in terms of because you're going off what tape that they put on film, you know, last year, you know, we go through, you know, two, three years of, of tape on these guys before we sent, you know, submit our final reports and, and make the selections on, on draft weekend. So, you know, we have all the previous tape graded and, and we know that those guys in and out from that, but it's where is he going to be at when we draft them and what could he be when we get him to the building? So that's going to be the biggest hurdle to, to, to jump over um, with the schools that aren't going to be playing this, this fall. Um, and, you, you know, guys, you know, if they 
if they get another year of eligibility, do they come back or are they going right into the draft? If they, you know, if not, you know, we're again, we're, we're going to be going off of what they showed to us on tape last year, the year before, and um, and where we think those trades can kind of send to when they get into the league and our building. Um, now the background information is still going to be something that we're, we're going to need to gather. Um, you know, whether it's if colleges do Zoom calls or weekly, you know, calls with scout, our scouts. I mean, that's that's something that we're um, going to be diligent on getting. That's to me that that makes or breaks sometimes some of these prospects, the background and, um, and who they are as a person. You know, we we here with the Browns, we, we want to bring in good people, you know, smart, um, smart guys that um, you know are can be proud to wear the Browns logo and aren't going to do anything to to, to hurt that. Um, now the guys that are playing, it's going to be business as usual. You know, our scouts will make the school calls and, and visit down there and watch the tape as a normal fall. Now, if they do spring league, that's going to be something that is going to be different or interesting to see how that is handled. Um, whether the draft gets pushed back or all-star games, that, that's still a wait and see. But um, similar to the drafting virtual, I mean, it's all about flexibility and teams being able to adapt to whatever's you know challenges given to us and. Right now, for our college scouts, this is going to be a little bit in our you know, GMs and our executives. It's a little bit of a challenge, but um, something that we're you know looking forward to to seeing how we handle it. And, and I have no doubt that we'll handle it uh, just as well as we do the uh, the virtual draft and the virtual offseason. That brings us really a nice transition to the next question here. What, as a scout for the Browns and the department itself, what are some characteristics that you look for in college student athletes that want to have a future in the NFL? So I'll start from an off-field perspective. Like I said, we, we want smart, tough, and accountable players. Those are the three words that both Coach Stefanski harps on and our, our general manager, Andrew Berry. Um, smart, tough, and accountable. Um, you know, we, we want guys that, again, that make us proud to, to bring them into the building and, you know, for them to, you know, make their families proud and, and um, you know, can wear, like I said, wear the Browns logo and, and be a a, um, a a strong blank on the, the wording here, but um, don't tarnish the Browns logo and, and the Browns organization in a bad way. Um, you know, that's obviously happened in the past with some of the guys we've had in here, and um, you know it, it, it takes its toll. It takes it takes its effect not only on the organization but the, the players around it. You know you have you know a room full of excellent excellent men who, again, have one goal in mind, and if you have one or two guys in there that, um, you know, kind of, you know, make some selfish mistakes, it can really tear down a season. Um, so, like I said, we want smart, accountable, and tough players. You know, we're, we play in a tough division in Steelers, Baltimore, and Cincinnati, very throwback-type division there. Um, you, know, you need tough guys that are, aren't afraid to play in all the elements, and and get their nose dirty when it comes to those late December games where it could be snow or freezing rain or whatever the, uh, you know, the climate brings to us on a certain Sunday or Saturday. Um, so that's first and foremost. We want, we want good people coming into our building from an off-field perspective. Now, are there guys that will take it, you know, swings at, you know, we think the talent is good enough? Absolutely. You don't, you know, you don't uh, say no to, you know, never, you don't, never say never. But first and foremost, we want those three traits from an off-field perspective, on-field it all it, it differs from position to position. Um, but speed is, is a huge trait that in today's NFL you really need um, at all positions, really. 
but particularly receiver, corner, and linebacker are three positions where you really need speed in this league. When we were facing the Kansas City Chiefs, who have you know three guys right now at receiver, actually four, who can you know be at probably you know one big track team, you need speed to cover those guys. Um, you know, quarterback position, you need intelligence. Um, I mean, they have a lot on their plate. You need to be smart. You need to be mentally tough. Um, you're going to throw picks in this league. You're going to have struggles in this league. How do you bounce back from that? Um, so really every, every position has, you know, three or four key critical traits that we'll grade and look, look at. Um, and now, again, every, every player going to have above-the-line traits uh, or grades in those traits? No. But can a guy have a compensating factor? That's another thing we look at. So if a guy, you know, say a running back runs a 4640, you know, you don't write him off because he ran slow. Does he have really good vision? Is he really quick? Is he really good in those first 10 yards? You know, again, looking at you know that 10 first 10 yard dash in the 40 yard dash. What is his time there? Does he play faster than that? So there's so much that goes into the final grade at every position. Um, but like I said, each position that we do have for a grading scale is we have three or four that it's critical. If this guy has below the line, you know, grades in these areas, what does he have that will make him succeed in this league? Real, real quick right here, and you spoke about it a little bit. Can you give some advice to maybe somebody who's thinking of a career in sports such as yours? I know you spoke briefly on it a bit, but any advice that comes to your mind right now? Never take no for an answer would be one because there's going to be teams that say no to you um, or um, you know, jobs in general um, that say no to you. That'd be number one. Keep, if, you, if this is really a dream and passion of yours, keep grinding, keep networking, keep trying to get in. Never take, you know, never think a job is too small. Um, Again, you know, if you're a freshman in college and the only thing that's open for the football team is being an equipment guy, do it. If, again, if you really, if you don't have the connections, again, that some of us are lucky enough to have, and your only way is to join your college program in any way, take that position. Because, again, that can grow into recruiting assistant, and then you're interacting even more with the coaches. And then maybe if you want to do grad school, it could be a grad assistant, and you're, so you're learning the coaching terminology. Back and then you're meeting with the scouts that come into that school. Um, so again, scouts visit all these schools for in the fall, so you're, you're networking there. And then the third and final one would be if, you are, if you're in college or pro, but if you're into professional sports, be the same person every single day. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be ups and downs in any season. Um, I can speak firsthandly with, with that. I mean, we had one win in two years. That was the toughest two years of of my professional career and, and great almost life in, in general. But you start to see people's true, um, you know, true colors in downtimes and adversity. Um, and I think what's been fortunate for me and a lot of scouts that have you know, stayed on through all the regime change, you know, it's for guys that were the same people every single day. You know, you know, after a loss on Sunday, you know, Monday morning might be tough, but, you know, my bosses know that, Sam DeLuca is going to come in, bring a smile to his face. Now, he might not be happy because we lost, but he's going to have a smile on his face. He's going to do his work. I can count him to do his work because he's going to be the same guy every single day. I know what I'm getting out of Sam DeLuca or you know, whomever. Um, 
So I think that's that's the key. That's one of the keys to to staying in the league or staying in the position that you're happy with professional sports. Um, as I said, it's very easy to finger point um, and and get down when times are tough. And finally here, I have to put you on a spot a little bit. I know your uncle Ralph's going to be wondering this same exact question. When the Eagles face the Browns on November 22nd in Cleveland, who are you going to be rooting for? Browns. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's been a couple of years now since my dad left, left the team. Um, but it's been long enough. I mean, it, I, it, it's easily easy, easy Browns. And I would say, I don't want to speak for, for my uncle, but I'd say majority of my family members will also be rooting for the Browns that game as well. Yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've done a good job of, of turning them into Cleveland Browns fans. Uh, yeah, I know that just the times that I have stood next to the security desk uh, where your uncle's at, he's, he always talks about how proud he is of you and, and talking about how he roots for the Browns when the Eagles don't play them because, you know, <laughs> he, he's the biggest Brown Eagles fan there is, and he'll, he'll be at every single game, even in the snow, in his seats right behind that end zone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, I think I, that's probably the majority of my, you know, my family and even my closest friends. I mean, if, if it's not Browns-Eagles, you know, they, they root for the Eagles, they root for the Browns, they hope I do well and, and the team as well. But yeah, this will be the first time uh, we're in a meaningful game that we play the Eagles since that opener and what was that, 2016, I believe it was? Yep. In Philly. Um, but so I think enough time has, has gone through and by there that uh, – majority of my fan, friends and family will be pulling for the Browns in, in that one in November. But at least they Sam, better be. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time today, coming on the podcast, and best of luck this year with the Browns. Of course, I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Coach, the interview just finished up with Sam. Uh, we're going to do – we're going to continue what we did last week where I'll start off with our takeaways, and then I'll hand it the ropes over to you to lead our discussion. But what are your th- – the three biggest takeaways from hearing the interview that just finished up with Sam DeLuca? You know, the first one that caught my attention was the fact that Sam didn't play football. Um, I think, you know, when you hear pro scout uh, of, of a team that you, you just assume that they played football in either high school or, you know, in a lot of cases in college as well. But to hear that he was a lacrosse player, Obviously, you know, he was given the opportunity to grow up around the Eagles uh, with his dad, Um, you know, so he was able to learn a lot, which kind of leads me into that second point that I kind of took away was when he talked about networking and how, you know, he was kind of, you know, being respectful as as a young kid, you know, in the locker room and all with his dad. And then, you know, he started asking questions of the coaches and developing those relationships that, um, you know, could help him down the road. and then the third one was just the prep brotherhood, uh, you know, that he talked about, you know, when he, when he first introduced himself to, you know, Kevin Stefanski, who is, you know, obviously the head coach of the Browns now. And, um, you know, their conversation and what happened when they were having their introductory uh, meetings and, you know, Stefanski, you know, mentioned how, you know, it's the best, best high school in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool just hearing them, him talk about that. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it was a great interview uh, by you, and I think you had a lot of good information in there. Yeah, I, I liked how your takeaways are, and they're similar takeaways to me. For I agree with you. It's interesting to know that he didn't play football in 
high school or even growing up, but it's the love that he found for the sport within the interaction and the times that he was around the Eagles with his dad, Peter DeLuca, who was the longtime Eagles head um, physician, but he took advantage of his networking. And I, I brought it up in the interview. Networking is becoming a real big component of my craft right now, just because of trying to work all the connections and find different ways to get opportunities within sports broadcasting. That's a really important thing for anybody. Oh, definitely. I agree. Um, you know, especially in, in the sports industry, which has kind of gone like a few different ways over the last, you know, 10 years and even, even longer, um, where, you know, you're having a little more of the social media aspect. Um, you know, print writing isn't what it was maybe 20 years ago. Um, you know, so it's important that you get out there, you meet people, you, you have those conversations, you develop those relationships, because you never know who could in turn help you down the road with a job or, you know, anything like that. So, um, yeah, that was definitely interesting on his part. Uh, you know, and, and I think one of the things that really caught my attention, too, was the fact that you know, he, he, he grew up around the game, but he didn't play it. And now, like, I think a lot of people fall into that category where they just think, well, I didn't play the sport, so I probably can't get into it. When, in fact, you can if you put the work in and you learn and you develop those relationships. You know, he's, he's proof that you can get to the highest level. Yeah, for sure. And the last takeaway before I hand it off to you is I thought it was really interesting to hear that while he was a – lacrosse player at the prep he took off his senior year to to focus on college now by no, no means it's something similar to what I did and I'm, I wasn't a student athlete at the prep I played before I reached the prep but I've stopped playing because I wanted to focus in on my future I thought that was in a powerful in a way because he saw the bigger future and the bigger picture of his life that he wanted to do definitely I you know I I think, you know, as athletes, we all get told at some point that we can't play anymore. Um, so when you take it upon yourself and you say, hey, listen, I, I know I'm not going to play at, you know, the high school level or the college level, but this is what I know I want to do, and you, you focus your time and attention to that, it's just like being an athlete. Uh, you know, the amount of work that we talked about on last week's episode that you and the other guys at WSJP have done – um, throughout the years at the prep to put yourselves in the position that you are now in college. You know, I think that you can do that at a younger age in high school, like yourself, like you did, like, you know, uh, Sam did. So it was just great um, little nuggets in there that he had to kind of reach our students on a level that like, Hey, listen, you may not be an athlete anymore, but this is what you want to do. Start focusing on it now. So it's only going to help you down the road. Yeah, and it's important to realize that early on because you don't want to have a, a regret in a way of saying, I wish I did this earlier, would have put me in a better path. It's important to realize that in your professional career. And he picked that up as he was at Arizona State. He was graduating his senior year and he started to network and bring those connections that he brought back to find his path now to becoming a pro scout. And he worked up the ranks to where he is right now in the Cleveland Browns organization. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you think about yourself too, in a way that, you know, think about everything you did in your four years at the prep with WSJP prepared you for what you're doing now. Absolutely. You didn't have those opportunities. You know, you're probably not doing what you're doing at Marquette right now, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because it's all new to you, but you, you knew what you wanted to do. You were able to take advantage of those opportunities at a young age and put you in position just like Sam to achieve their goals. And now we're going to flip it to you now to lead our discussion part, just because it not only did it work really well last week, but I'm, I'm interested to hear from a coaching perspective who deals with scouts and coaches um, at the high school level to go into the collegiate level and see if there's any similarities um, that you're seeing um, within our spotlight segment today, this week. Well, you know, one of the big takeaways that I had um, was when Sam talked about how Cleveland looks for smart, tough, accountable players. Um, you know, I've had a variety of opportunities to talk to a lot of Division One coaches, Division Two, and Division Three coaches since coming to the prep. Um, at some of the biggest baseball schools in the country, um, you know, it's when you're able to put St. Joe Prep underneath your name, a lot of people are more willing to um, take your phone call or, or respond to your email. And, you know, one of the things that I always hear back from coaches, and it's they don't want me to tell them what I think about the player on the field. They want me to tell them about the player off the field and how is he with his teammates, how is he in practice. Um, you know, and – so, so I think at all levels, they're really looking for those three um, things. They want kids that are smart, that know their sport. They want kids that are tough, and they want kids that are accountable. And I think that in a lot of ways, um, you know, it's kind of been a cultural change that, you know, I think – and I'm, and I'm a parent, and I have, I have three kids, and I, th- I think that we make life a little bit easier on our kids these days than – you know, when I was coming up and certainly when, you know, my parents were coming up, um, you think about, you know, your generation right now, you pretty much have always had cell phones in your lives. You've always had internet, computers. Everything's just a little bit easier. And, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things that I, I personally I find humorous these days is, you know, when I was, I have a third, well, soon to be 13-year-old son. And when I... Um, when I was 13, if I wanted McDonald's or something, it was, you know, Hey, go, go ride your bike, go walk there and get yourself what you want. Now it's like every kid has an Uber Eats account so they can just call and someone's just going to deliver it to them. Um, I think, you know, so we make it harder on our kids growing up the way we're, we're, we're raising them now. It's not everybody. It's, it's just, kind of how, you know, I don't want to generalize it, but I think we make life, you know, a little bit harder when they grow up and that, you know, sometimes they don't hold themselves accountable. You know, sometimes they, you know, when a coach is, is tough on a player, you know, we always tell our guys, when we're tough on you, it's because we care about you. Um, and we, and we know that you have another level you can get to, but that's kind of misconstrued in that, well, coach doesn't like me. And, you know, he's being hard on me because, you know, he, he doesn't like me or, you know, whatever the reason may be. And I think that's something that we've 
um, lost in all the sports, um, that that toughness and accountability just isn't what it was years ago. And that's not to say that there aren't tough and accountable kids out there still because there are. But I think just there's more that go the other way with it. And But that's what they want at the next levels. That's what they want in college. That's what they want in, in the pro levels is they want people that are going to be tough, that they know when the situation gets tight in the game that they can count on them. And they want people that are going to be accountable to themselves and their teammates. My question to you is you say that a little – times have changed in a sense. What do you think did that in a way? Because sports are not exactly the same way they were when you were growing up or when I started growing up. They've adapted to our thing, to our society. Now, I know you talked about it a little bit, but what do you think the main thing from a coaching's perspective, if you can talk about that? You know, in terms of when it changed, I don't really know. Um, I think it's just kind of been happening over the course of, you know, 10, 15 years um, that I've been involved in it. Um, you know, I, I think there's more, uh, you know, involvement from people outside of the group of the teams. Um, when I mean the group of the team, you know, the players, the coaches, you know, it, it was one of those things like when I was growing up, you, you wanted, you had a question for a coach, coach well, you, you deal with it. Like that's your coach, go deal with it. And I try to raise my kids the same way in that, you know, if they have an issue of playing time or whatever, you know, I, I remember, you know, my, my son was playing t-ball and he couldn't make one of his games. And, you know, I made him walk over to his coach and tell him, well, Hey coach, I'm not going to be able to be at the game because I'm, I forget the reason he couldn't be there, but, you know, it was something that I, I tried to teach him at a young age. I'm like, look, that's your coach. You deal with your coach. Um, I think we just make things too easy on kids as parents. And, I, and, I've, and I'm a victim of that at times, too, um, especially, you know, with my daughters. And, you know, Fran Dunphy, I, I, I had the opportunity to be in a, a coach's meeting many years ago. And Fran Dunphy was, was the guest speaker. And he told a, a great story about how, he was in med school and he was out um, at a bar drinking with a couple of his buddies and he was driving home and he got a flat tire. And he said, you know, he, he remembers calling his hat, you know, they walked to find the payphone because, you know, there were no cell phones back then. And in the pouring rain, he finds a payphone, he calls his house and he's hoping that anyone answers the phone, but his dad. And of course his dad answers the phone. So he tells him he got a flat tire, tells him where he's at. His dad drives out there and pulls up and it's still pouring rain. And um, what ended up happening was they took the lug nuts off the tire and the rain washed one of them into the drain. So we're not washed all four of them in the drain. I'm sorry. So they were missing them and he, and his dad pulls up and he says, you know, dad, we're missing four lug nuts, you know, and his dad made a comment to him. He goes, you know, I'm not in med school, but if I were you, I would take one lug nut off of each of the other tires, put them on that tire, get home and deal with it tomorrow. And he's like, oh, thanks, Dad. He goes, he, he goes, can you stay and help us? And his dad's like, no, I'll see you when you get home. <laughs> and he drove off. And, you know, Fran Dunphy made the point, like, nowadays, if a kid gets a flat tire, you know, he calls mom and dad, and it's like, hey, we're going to get you triple, triple A. A. Out there and they'll help you fix the tire. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, you know, 
we're doing our, our kids a disservice when we're not it's a little bit tougher on them when we don't hold them accountable to things. Um, because, you know, life's tough. And whether you're, you're in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, or you're just out in the, you know, in the working world, um, you know, life's going to be tough. You're always going to have a boss. Most of the time you're always going to have a boss. And, you know, if you don't do your job, they're going to be tough on you and they're going to hold you accountable. And I think we need to teach our, our young people that earlier in life so that they know how to handle it as they get older. And I think something that clicked off in my mind, you're talking about doing it your own way there. Sam did his own way of finding himself into the NFL. Yes, he, in, in respect, he did have his dad there to help him. And he was, a, he, his dad helped bring him into maybe the NFL as a child like around the organizations and all kind of that. But he did the hard work of reaching out to organizations. He did the hard work of staying with the Browns organization through all the different regimes they've had throughout the years to get to the position that he is right now, where he might be going to Clemson, Alabama, or name whatever college to scout a top prospect for the Browns in the NFL draft that year. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, he, obviously with his dad being the, the team physician, he had his, at a young age, he was able to be around more, but um, you know, he did, he did the work. He went out and he started, you know, he, he, he hopped on and helped out at Arizona state. He learned about different things and, you know, to the point that, you know, he could go to a front office and send letters out and they were going to, read those letters and say, Hey, you know, maybe we should bring this guy in for an interview. And he, and he mentioned in, you know, that um, he did when he sent the letter to Kansas city with obviously Andy Reid is that he didn't feel like the letter even got to Andy. So, you know, in a lot of ways like that's, Hey, well, you know, if Andy would have gave him a job that that traces back to his dad, but no, he went and got a job at Cleveland and, you know, he had another opportunity, uh, you know, in Tampa after, you know, getting the one in Cleveland, um, so he put in the hard work, and and that shows you, you know, a guy who was given a, you know, put in a spot to succeed, but he went out and earned it. You know, he went out and did all the work to get to that, to get to, get to his his role as a pro scout. And it was interesting to hear his story. And obviously, for those who all know me, obviously you've seen this a lot. When I was at the prep, my junior and senior year, that's when Ralph, his uncle, started becoming a security guard, and I would spend time at the desk just talking sports with him and all but he talked really high in high regards about his nephew Sam and he's saying he broke his way into this industry and he really did and I was talking to Ralph after the interview he called me up asking how it was and I'm saying you're you should be a very proud uncle because your nephew is doing things in the NFL that maybe some people didn't believe in themselves that they could do one day in their future. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, just liking it to you, to your situation a little bit, you know, one of the things that he, he, Sam talked about was, you know, no job is too small. And I think, you know, a lot of people when they get into the working world, you know, they just want to get to that job that they kind of dreamed of and they don't want to put the hard work in to get to that point. And, and, you know, you see it too in the coaching field, like a lot of people, they want to get in the, it's either high school coaching or college coaching, and they just want to go from no experience to a varsity coach or no experience to a college coach. And that's just not how it works. Um, 
So you have to put that, that time in and, and, you know, for yourself, you know, the, the no job too small. I mean, you know, you, we, we say you were the baseball manager, but like you were basically the baseball intern for, for two years with us. And there wasn't a job that it, it could be the smallest job possible that I would say, Hey John, I need you to take care of this. And you did it like it was the biggest job and you made sure that it was done. It was done efficiently. It was done the right way. And you know, that's, that's just a great trait that I think you have that Sam obviously has, um, you know, and I think that's a great thing for young people to hear that, you know, go out and put the work in because people will see that people will see when you show up early, you know, people will see when you show up late, you know, we, we have a saying, you know, that we use with our guys that, you know, when you're, when you're on time, you're late, when you're early, you're on time. And when, you're late. You're only thinking about yourself. And, you know, it's just little things like that that build up and you could add those things and they keep stacking on a resume and people take notice to it. In respect to that part right there, I think what made me just treat every assignment or task that you gave me, I treated it as the same exact thing, no matter what difficulty or the easiness in it, because those skills and those opportunities that you have in your young life is going to help you in the future of your career. And one of the reasons why we've created our podcast now is not only are we here to tell stories within prep athletics, but you talk, when you approached me with the idea, it was to add on to my resume, add on to something that I can bring out within a job, maybe in a year. And that's something that I've been taking advantage of during this whole entire quarantine period with COVID-19 of learning the in and outs of all the Adobe softwares because the journalism program industry and the digital media industry is going to be really graphic material one day of making graphics, making highlight reels and all that kind of stuff. Why not start when you have all this downtime and Sam took advantage of that. I like to think I took some advantage to it during this time off, but it's really important to build up your skills because you don't know what kind of jobs are going to be available one day. Right. You know, you, you come out of college and, you know, you, you, you never know um, if you're going to be able to jump into your particular field right away or not. So if you can gain experience, you know, when, when you're in school, it's only going to help you for when you, after you graduate. But at the same time, again, you're, you're, you're kind of, um, you're out there and you're, you're doing different tasks. So you're broadening your horizons a little bit and it's putting you in position that, you know, okay, so for you, you know, you want to get into broadcasting. If it's not there right away, well, look, I have this skill that I've learned over these last few years as well, that I can take it here while I'm still looking to get to where I want to be. And exactly right. That's exactly how I would put it. It, you have to learn all around. You have to be well-minded, well-rounded, and well-diverse in all the skills because for, for an industry like myself, it's not easy to get a job right away, like you said. So you have to take advantage of all the classes you can take in college and just stuff in general. And I basically have been texting everybody that I work with the Marquette Wire out there and saying, I want to learn this and how do I do that? I know I... I've been watching videos on YouTube, but can you help me? I've, I've come into this little error. So that's really important. And we're, uh, the last thing I want to talk about with you is obviously Kevin Stefanski. 
the prep alum and seeing how the roots and the traditions and everything that you learn within the prep uh, halls continues with each alum alumnus regardless of how many years they're away from the prep when they graduate. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I, I didn't realize how young of a guy he was. I mean, he graduated, yeah. uh, he graduated, um, I think it was year. 2000. Yeah. So I, I yeah. was a, a one graduate. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great to, to hear, you know, him speak, uh, you know, Sam speak of, um, what, what Kevin said about, you know, his time at the prep. Uh, I think it, it, it really makes you understand a little bit more how much the, the school means to its alumni and to anybody that, that comes in um, to the place. Uh, you know that. I've, I've learned that over the last three years. Um, I mean, hey, the fact that and I, and I understand Sam is, is Ralph's nephew, so we had that connection with this, but the fact that Sam was willing to give you the time because this was a prep podcast um, and come on and speak with you for, you know, 30 minutes, 20 plus minutes, whatever it was, um, just shows you how much that's the, 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 that St. Joe's prep means to the people that are in the building. And, you know, it, it always will be that way. Yeah, for sure. And he talked about it, men for others, men for and with, and then now men and women for and with others, you're paying back you're giving back to the next future of preppers or prep the prep brotherhood so yes we did it like you said we had that connection with ralph he reached out to me saying sam would be more than happy to do this sam could have not accepted the invite and didn't go through all the clearances with his boss to come on because as a scout he deals with some top secret and restricted information but he went he went out of his way to make sure that we could tell his story in a, in the right manner. He, he didn't leave off, like important stuff off because he talked about it to, at the lowest regard in, in a way when you're talking the X's and O's and the high leverage information. Right. And, you know, we, we spoke about this in one of the, the, the first podcasts, you know, the, the men form and with others. Um, it, it shows you that that's real and it's not just something that, you know, we, we, there's signs in the, in the building, it's, you know, it has those words or something on the website, you know, that's real. And that's something you learn at your time at the prep. And that carries with you through all your years. And I think you, you, you see that with, with Sam, you know, giving back, you know, to a place that obviously means a lot to him, um, you know, giving us the time to come on and, and talk about just, you know, his time at the prep, you know, his story and, also, you know, give us a little insight to what it's been like in the NFL um, during this pandemic and, you know, kind of the changes that they've had to make on the fly. You know, we talked about, you know, with some of the conferences not playing this 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 fall, will they be playing in the spring? You know, how that's going to affect their scouting um, in terms of, well, you know, player you know x could have made this jump between junior and senior year but now we don't have any tape of it so we can only go off the tape that we have and you know we're gonna have to do zoom meetings with different players just to learn their character and all and so i it it was it was a great um you know you call it a filler show but i mean it's a great episode that i think had a lot of information um 
kind of took us into the NFL world a little bit and also gave us, um, you know, some, some things to build on as, as, you know, people, as our students, as young people, um, to see that a guy that was in the building, two guys that were in the building not many years ago, um, both less than 20 years ago, have achieved this, this, this high, um, you know, level of being in the NFL. Yeah. And it, I think there's a lot of lessons for everybody that attends the prep, either that's the students right now, but past students and maybe even faculty and staff members, they can pick up on the lessons that Sam DeLuca and Kevin Stefanski have done in their industry so quickly that have gotten them really high respect within their peers, but just the way to live life in general, don't give up. No job is not good. You take advantage of whatever job opportunity there is because that job is going to get you to maybe that job that you really want someday. And then finally, keep working, keep working hard because hard work pays off and it worked for, it's worked out for Sam. He started at in, in the scouting department for the Browns, but not at the position that he is right now. So he's, in a really good spot. And I, like I said, I wish him the best of luck uh, with the Browns because that is an up and coming NFL organization. Right. And, you know, I think another thing that it does is I, I, I think it, it shows you how well St. Joe's prep prepares its students for college and their years beyond college. I, you know, I think we touched on this in one of the other episodes with, you know, um, alumni that I've spoken with in the past have told me that their freshman year at the prep was harder than any year they did in college. And some of them were doctors and lawyers. And, um, you know, you look at Kevin Stefanski, you know, he's 38. Um, Sam DeLuca graduated in, it was 09, correct? Yeah, he graduated in 09. So, I mean, he's maybe 30 at this point, you know, late 20s. But he's been in an NFL organization for – uh, remind me, six years. He's gonna. This is now going to be his eighth, I believe, eighth. if I remember. Yeah. So that shows you um, how prepared that that the prep, uh, you know, has their students when they leave the building to go out and achieve what they you know want to achieve. Because look, th- those are those are hard goals to get. Um, you know, I, I remember you know when I was you know in my early twenties. You know, my my goal was to get a head coaching job in the, in the Catholic league by the time I was 30, you know, and here these guys are, they're a few years older than that. Or, well, in Sam's case, a couple years younger and they're at the highest level because they were prepared the right way. They put the work in, they earned their, their, their opportunities. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, you know, Cleveland um, has, has had some tough luck since they've been in the league, come back or came back into the league. Um, they haven't had many great years, but you can't help but, you know, start rooting for them, knowing that, you know, Kevin Stefanski's there, Sam DeLuca is working behind the scenes, and you hope that they have, you know, success in the years to come. But I just disagree with Sam on one thing. I'm not against the Eagles. Coach, really great show here. I'm, it's, it's an important show that we did talking about an alum who embraced the student-athlete role didn't didn't go forward with the the student athlete role his senior year to follow his real dream of becoming of doing a job in a football organization in the future and he's taking advantage of every single thing that's coming that has come to him 
I, I agree with you, and I hope that, uh, you know, the, the students that we have in the building will listen to the show. I, I hope, especially, you know, the, the, the athletes, um, they, they remember those three th- things, you know, be smart, be tough, and be accountable. And just take that, you know, upon yourself, you know, enforce that on your teammates. And I think that's going to help our programs, um, all of our programs, get even better than what they are currently. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Prep Sports Weekly. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SJPrep underscore sports for the latest scores, stats, and updates about St. Joe's Prep Athletics. But also for our latest episodes of our podcast, you can also subscribe to us on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Prep Sports Weekly. So so for Anthony Volucci, I'm John Luzzi. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Prep Sports Weekly. And remember, the Hawk will never die.